Hello, welcome to Clogcast. As I currently can't run clog comedy physically for obvious reasons, and as we all have to be indoors, I have started a mini-podcast series. The plan is to have a short section of myself geeking out about a niche comedy topic, followed by a comedian who is wonderfully weird and whom you as the audience should watch, in the form of an interview. Clog essentially means comedian's laughter log. It started as a weird alternative comedy night that aimed to be a welcoming space open to acts to practice the highest level of comedy. I hope that it acts as a network for acts to join the forces of stand-up, musical, sketch and character. As well as a safe space for performers to explore many topics and styles of comedy craziness. I'm your host, Bex Turner, and I am an eccentric, high-energy comedian with an alternative angle on life. Today's niche to meet you, to meet you niche topic, is the kids in the hall. Now, a lot of you might have been obsessed and written fan fiction about their favourite bands or vampire-based films. However, I was a weird teenager, and so I chose to obsess over sketch groups, including the late 1980s to mid-1990s Canadian Kids in the Hall. Over in the UK, they are very unknown, so much so that the only UK media release you can find is a best-of compilation DVD of their sketches. Personally, I first found out about them whilst I was looking around YouTube years ago, and after viewing a few clips, I was instantly hooked. They formed in around 1984, and the group consisted of Dave Foley, Bruce McCullough, Scott Thompson, Kevin MacDonald, and Mark McKinney. They seem to have a mix of Monty Python influences, such as them playing women, weird lead-ups to punchlines, and very silly characters. However, they differed in that sometimes they'd create scenes slash skits of 10 plus minutes, and that felt like 1990s short films. Some of my favourite characters include Chicken Lady, a literal chicken lady, Fran and Gordon, a constantly bickering middle-aged married couple. The secretaries. Sir Simon Mulligan and Hercubus, amongst others. I think what makes them more admirable than some other sketch groups around that time was that even though things were improving in 1990s USA and Canada, they weren't perfect for LGBTQ+. And so to have an openly gay performer, Scott Thompson, and sketches with openly gay characters, most notably the wonderful Buddy Cole, must have been fantastic to see for young people in that era. However, as I am British, I might be biased, and so I thought it would be best to gather some kids in the hall memories from actual Canadians who watched them at the time. Firstly, my comedy friend, Kat Nilsson. As a 13 and 14 year old in 1993-1994, Kids in the Hall was something I'd watch with my older brother, and later as a young teen, something I'd go round with my friends to watch. We were given a pretty free reign, so I don't think parents really cared what we were up to. I know I wasn't mature enough to get the nuances, but I knew it was funny. I appreciated how wacky it was. I guess the appropriate word would be surreal. I also loved SNL. But I wouldn't have recognised back then that Kids in the Hall was a Canadian thing. I just thought it was a TV show most people watched. But of course, it is all Toronto. 
The black and white shots of them between skits is all Toronto. You know exactly where they are. Although saying that now, at the time, I, I wouldn't have thought there was anything special. Toronto had a boring reputation in Canada for a long time. Now it's a hit place, but the 1980s and 90s, it was very uncool. At school, we would always impersonate the main skits. To this day, my brother still pretends to be Gavin. In fact, a lot of those characters are the precursors to well-known bits today. Gavin is that one time at band camp girl in American Pie. The secretaries, head crusher. You can still say their taglines to friends and everyone knows what you're talking about. When I started stand-up comedy two years ago, the question I got asked most after gigs was, what courses have you done? I had no idea there were stand-up comedy courses you can take. For me, my training, as you can call it, is goofing around with my friends, reenacting kids in the hall sketches, and doing our own little skits in the playground, trying to be them. Oh, also Dave Foley was probably my first TV crush. This is the response from Kids in the Hall superfan Jessica Olivier. I was pretty young when I started watching them, maybe 12, and I remember how the sketches seemed based on the kind of nonsense that only occurs to you when you're really bored and just passing time with your equally bored friends. Take, for example, the head crusher skit, where a guy closes one of his eyes and pretend pinches someone's head off in the distance. It seemed so strangely relatable, like, yes, I could totally see myself coming up with that with friends and howling over it. An ongoing inside joke of sorts. And so I had this moment of, wow, this is amazing, because they're doing this stuff as legit comedy on TV. And then I remembered thinking it was too edgy and that the show would probably be booted off the air soon. Thank God others clearly liked it too. To someone from the UK, this is me, how would you describe Kids in the Hall? They're a sketch comedy troupe of five goofy Canadian guys that had a low-budget show that aired for a handful of years in the late 80s, early 90s. They played all the roles in each skit, male, female, chicken, cabbage, which added to the hilarity. It was unlike anything on Canadian TV at the time, and they quickly established a strong cult following. Bruce McCullough. I even obsessed over a CD he had out in 1995 with comedic tracks about things like dropping acid in grade 8, or how, if you're a Doors fan, you, by default, detest Depeche Mode, The Cure, the Happy Mondays, which, by the way, was absolutely accurate of high school music culture here in Toronto in the 80s and 90s. It also had the These Are The Days I Know song on it, which was a favourite skit in the Kids in the Hall show. It's basically making fun of how many people are named Dave slash David. I hope that you cog has got some insight on Kids in the Hall from, these lovely, from the lovely Jessica and Kat. If you're interested and want to dabble further into them, then there are clips on YouTube. Plus, in 2008, they did a series called Death Comes to Town, which apparently took influence from the League of Gentlemen. It's a bit hard to find, but if you can, then give it a try. They bring back a few older, lesser-known Kids in the Hall characters, too. If you're looking for something similar, but made more recently, look at the American sketch group, The Whitest Kids You Know. 
It shares similarities to Kids in the Hall, for example, Five Members. They play all the characters, and they had five seasons. They're equally surreal, too. However, they just missed the 1990s charm that Kids in the Hall had. Hello, Dave. Thank you for being. Thank you for agreeing to be my guest on the second podcast episode of Clogcast. Yay! Thank you. Yay! Hello, hello, all the cloggers out there. Hello. Lovely to meet you all virtually. And uh, now you might recognise Dave from comedy, pantomime, or a particularly notorious Walker's Crisp advert. <laughs> How are you today? What have you been up to? I'm good today. Um, the sun is shining. Um, I had a slight little lie-in, then the cats jumped on on me, as they always do. And then uh, my wife and I went out for a lovely walk. I live in Hertfordshire, so we've been out just enjoying the, the, the good weather and stuff, and lucky enough to have a little bit of outside space, a small little garden here. So I'm going to spend the rest of the day in the, in the garden, maybe sort of reading and stuff. So yeah, our spirits are up. Today's one of the good days. That's good to hear. What, what's your cat called? Uh, I've got Snoop, Snoop Catty Cat, okay. and I've got uh, Bibby Smalls. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Snoop Aww. was just floating around a minute ago. She's probably just outside the door. So she'll probably come in because she doesn't like to leave me alone for too long. But Bibby Smalls is a very busy, be- very busy cat. He'll be out and about just living his life. <laughs> he Aww. probably won't come in. Uh, secondly, what's your favourite cheese and why? I love all cheese. <laughs> I love all the cheeses. Um, uh, I, lo- I-, I love cheesecake. <laughs> I-, I love cheese on toast. I- I'm a big fan of halloumi. Mm. Uh, uh, I mean, I-, I know the middle classes try and claim it, but, you know, it's a big, fatty, salty cheese. It's a working class cheese. I like it. Um, but my num- I like blue cheese. And I think my number one would be Cambazola. Oh. which is just a little mix of camembert and gorgonzola. It's a little bit of blue, but still kind of creamy. <laughs> That's me. Not quite in one, one foot in, in one style, just sort of a, a mix of styles. So that's my cheese. Excellent. Excellent to hear. Excellent to hear. I, I think I, 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 I no, I really like, I, I really like uh, buffalo mozzarella. Mm. I like the really okay. fancy one, like the really like, Fancy, fancy mozzarella. That's very yeah. nice. Pretty more. Yeah. yeah. I like a mozzarella as well. If you make your own pizzas, you can't beat mozzarella. You can put all sorts yeah. on there. But if you, if you get a bit of mozzarella in there, you, you're on to a winner, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing your knowledge on cheese for us. <laughs> I can I'm do sure whole- the audience will appreciate it. <laughs> I love the cheese. I'm all about cheese. <laughs> How would you describe your comedy to new listeners? Um, I've always been a bit of a cocktail of different styles, really. I quite enjoy reading um, reviews <laughs> and uh, things where people try and describe me. Um, some, you know, because I do musical comedy and I do character comedy and I do stand-up comedy and I do improv and I do storytelling. <laughs> so <laughs> I sort of sometimes I say I'm a, I'm a one-man variety show. If I were to do a one-hour show, in that show, there'd be songs and storytelling and audience interaction and all that kind of stuff. And always, 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 and I say this in my shows, my comedy is friendly. Uh, It should be for everyone. It should be welcome. It's often very silly. It's rarely that political, but occasionally I sneak a few things in there. But uh, always friendly. Everyone is welcome. That's all the idea behind my shows anyway. 
uh, how, how have reviewers described it in the past? Um, yeah, the, the word that I get called variety quite a lot, which is funny because variety sounds like kind of old fashioned, like Eric and Ernie uh, or, you know, Avon Costello, like that kind of vibe, which is cool because I grew up watching that kind of stuff. Um, but that does sometimes it then attract slightly older audiences who might not actually like some of the stuff I uh, talk about. Um, was it Broadway World? What did Broadway World call me? They called me it's a mad, that was it, madcap musical sketch character comedy pioneer. I oh, really, wow. Impressive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that was one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> Please send me that quote for the website. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Broad, yeah. Broadway World, I'll dig it out. That was ahead of me doing Crazy Cat Laddie in London at the Underbelly. Madcap okay. musical character comedy pioneer. Char- yeah, something like that. I'll dig it out. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I see what you mean by that title that some people give you when they're describing you. Mm. For example, because I'm quite characterful on stage and like high energy and just like weird, people are like, oh, you're like Rebecca. She, she, she's like a character comedian. And I'm like, I'm not a full character. Don't yeah. call me that. <laughs> I'm not a full yeah. character. Oh, yeah. she's characterful. She's a character comedian. No, I'm not. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. But I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But people want to give everything a label, don't they? So if you do a, a character, that's it. You're a character comedian. Mm. If you do a song, you're a musical comedian. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, some but people th- think of me as a musical comic as well. And then they book me and I say, oh, I'm just <laughs> going to do stand up tonight. And they're like, what? <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> They've never seen me do songs. And I say, I'm going to do a couple of songs. Where can I plug my laptop? And they're like, what? Last time you just did stand up. I'd do whatever you want. But it depends what sort of mood I'm in, really. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Head round it. Yeah. so it's good to have something different going on isn't there yeah yeah i think so and i think that's the best part of the comedy circuit if you have acts from different backgrounds acts of different ages acts of different styles and uh targets and things like that i think that's that's where you've got a really good comedy night isn't it if everyone's just the same doing the same material and i've been on a few of those nights boring uh it, yeah I, I see what you mean it's always good to have something a bit more interesting booped in there yeah yes definitely, well, definitely. what's what's your favorite area of comedy you're performing to do like I your think, strongest area i think i haven't done a great deal of like sitcom stuff but i would probably say if if i was given the choice mm. that would be where i i'd go i've done a few sitcoms that sort of haven't really picked like been picked up and, and carried on oh, but no. if i was given a choice like a sitcom would, would be, for me, amazing because I could do all my character stuff, but within, you know, stories, arcs and things like that and a chance to be a bit more serious at times. But um, in terms of the live circuit, I love I love just going up and doing songs. Um, I can't sing. I'm not very good at playing instruments. I really shouldn't be doing musical comedy but i just absolutely love it and i love the reaction of a crowd going whoa 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 what's he doing why is this white guy in his 30s started rapping trying to win them over and then just (laughs) sort of saying i'm sorry about that i don't know what happened um but yeah so i love doing musical comedy i wish i was i wish i was more musical i think i'd do a lot more of it okay yeah at least you're giving it a go yeah, exactly. Yeah, and got lots I've of got elements to add. Yeah, yeah. I've got my little award here. I'm in my man oh. room. Yeah, it's over there. Got my musical comedy award, a big record for the. Um, what was it? Oh, what does it say? The 
audience favorite award oh, 2018 well great memories <laughs> yeah going up against proper musicians i had no right to be there but i love a challenge <laughs> oh. well that's a very big inspiration uh, to just go in there and just try it out particularly on like a competition stage well done yeah yeah very yeah exactly yeah, I love being out of my comfort zone. So I did character comedy for a while and then mm. sketch comedy and solo sketch comedy and uh, musical comedy. Now it's got, now I'm, all, I'm thinking I'm going sort of full circle. People forget that I do stand ups and now I'm thinking I'm, I'm just going to write some straight up stand up gags, stories, mm. and lose the props and music for a bit. But we'll see. Mm. Well, that'd be really interesting to see how you, how you do that. Yeah, yeah. I look yeah, forward I've done to a couple of virtual gigs. Yeah, oh, wow. a couple of virtual gigs, and rather than doing songs and stuff, it's quite fun to just sort of sit here and just chat and go, like, this is what's been going on in my life, and mm. <laughs> uh, some jokes about the current weird situation. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, what slash who inspired you to get into like acting and comedy? Um, I always say, like, my ultimate inspiration was always Robin Williams he um he was that word madcap that I said before that kind of style where you feel like that anything can happen mm -hmm. and he could do stand up and he was a, a great actor and when he wanted to be a serious actor he was so so good mm -hmm. um uh, and it, his sort of style of improv and he was sort of a flawed character as well like he had his issues like so many of us who are in the performing arts world mm -hmm. um uh you know he had his dark parts to his to his to his personality but he was just so so funny and if you ever w watched him do stand-up he always felt like anything could happen um he would just go walking over the audience and just sort of just scream at them and start going into random improvised characters and then go back to like a routine so he was my ultimate favorite i think growing up mainly in the 90s yeah. robin williams was man rick nail kathy burke she's still a hero i think she's so great she's pretty boss on twitter isn't she kathy <laughs> yeah yeah and i love how she kind of just takes no shit like that's kathy burke she just sort of um you know she <laughs> she looks she's got her own sort of unique look and everything about her i just i just love her so much um it would be a dream to work with her um so she influenced me i think that kind of short really short little sketches that are around in the 90s on like Harry Enfield and Chums and on the yeah. Fast Show. So Paul Whitehouse was a big influence and Bob Mortimer, Carolina Hearn, she was just so, so good at the subtleties of sketch and character comedy. That's always uh, the best thing in sketches sometimes. The absolute yeah. like sharpest of characterization where you're like, this is really clever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I think like, like, as you were saying with your style, like I can be quite high energy on stage and stuff, whereas when I do film stuff, I quite enjoy th those other influences. So like, I'm like Jim Carrey, Mike Myers, Chris Rock, Bernie mm. Mac, big characters. And then Lee Evans, you know, they really influenced me. And then other times I'm like mm. the subtleties of like a Carolina Hearn or a Paul Whitehouse kind of style. Mm. Um, uh, I, and like sitcom wise, like, mm. Father Ted, Blackadder, and The Office. Um, it really shows sort of my age bracket of where, like, what you know, where I grew up. But that's those... quite. A, that's quite a mix of different sitcom like elements, isn't it? That... Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, The Office is sort of hyper realism, isn't it? Like zoned in. Um, yeah. Father Ted was just crazy, and Blackadder was like a whole. It was almost like a sketch show that they just sort of set. 
Uh, I've seen that, yeah. yeah that, a lot of, like, kind of witty, like... It, it, I see what you mean. It kind of... It was on that balance of in-between kind of, like... It seems a bit too kind of ha-ha comedy to be a sitcom, but it's like, no, it's a sitcom. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. Nice. And I think that's... Sometimes when you get a really successful sitcom, mm. like The Office, which is, you know, 20 years, nearly 20 years ago now... Um, so many others come out that are like it and mm. we need to remember that so many different styles work like you don't there isn't one way but you know commissioners are like oh that was successful where's the next office okay and actually you're better off once you've had the office looking for the next black adder or the next father ted because then it seems more unique in its own style but yeah we'll see <laughs> i definitely see that particularly like now now nowadays like because they had like flea bag and mm. now they have seem to have a lot more kind of like those semi sitcoms where it's just like like a female's relationship with yeah. her household, and it's a bit yeah oh, okay. <laughs> yeah okay cool it's another thirty year old woman yes <laughs> and a partner whoa, whoa. yeah yeah it's just the way things work much. isn't it it's like when when something is really good now even like a song like if, if you go god this new song that's that's absolutely beautiful you, you can guarantee that the radio will play it over and over again until you hate that bloody song and the same mm-hmm. happens in comedy something good happens and then they're like fleabag hmm. uh, who's who's the next phoebe and then they just keep making stuff that's the same i remember years ago i did i still do the sketch every mm-hmm. now and then and um uh and uh it, it was a football based sketch that sort of uh, people that don't like football got on board with, and it was yeah. a guy phoning a sex line, and he was a Manchester United fan. And instead of voyeur or whatever weird stuff they talk about, uh, he chose to hear about Manchester United in the 1990s in the glory days. And uh, um, a broadcaster, let's call them Comedy's Middle, um, <laughs> so we won't get the real name. Um, uh, they they were like they bought it and put it on their website, and I was like, oh cool, and uh, okay. and they went. So they came to me and the girls at Lead Pencil and said, okay, give us more sketches. And we were like, yeah, great. We've got loads of sketches. And then they went, well, give us the same, but different. And we were like, oh, okay. what? So they wanted a, another sketch of our phone sex line. And we were like, well, we've already done that one. They were like, yeah, but what else could be phone about? It could be phone about, what, what about if it's a vegan phoning up and talking about meat? So we came up with that idea. And of course, yeah, it was fine, but it was basically the same sketch with a different topic. Oh. And they could have said, and it didn't obviously didn't do as well. They could have said, "Yeah, you guys are funny. Give us another sketch, like whatever you think." As opposed to give us the same thing again. <laughs> it was just like, why? You just got to trust that we know comedy. But there you go. That that sort of sums up the industry in oh. one interaction. <laughs> That's rubbish. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Give us more of the same. Yeah. Talking about lead pencil, which is amazing. And it's so, so good. So good for the audience. It's really, really good. Uh, from my end, I first caught your performances with the hilarious lead pencil. And then last year, I went to see you do Crazy Cat Laddie. Yeah. Is there any upcoming projects you can tell us about? Um, well, obviously, at the moment, the comedy circuit and the theatres are all, all quiet. So hmm. part of my plan for this year anyway was to write a sitcom or a web series. So seems like the whole world is, but that's what I'm doing. So I'm writing at the moment. Okay. I'm doing some um, virtual gigs. Um, okay, well, what gigs have you done? Uh, I did one, an NHS fundraiser the other day. Okay. Um, 
uh, I think I like two and a half grand in the end, which was really, really cool. And where I am sat now at home, just chatting is exactly what I did and just sort of talked about the whole world. And, and I did another one online, which was, um, uh, that was broadcast via Facebook Live. Um, and so I've got okay. a couple more coming up. There's, I'm doing one for a company who are like something boot camp. I don't know. That's oh, Friday night. Well done. Do those. So yeah, it's quite nice. I mean, like you actually, like I say, like I do these crazy characters and songs. Mm. It's quite nice to strip it down, just sit here and just chat, and then like find the gags that way mm. as opposed to doing songs. But the, ne- the next big thing for me mm. is a film called Knuckle Dust, which <laughs> I filmed at the back end of last year, mm. um, and that should be out at uh, some point towards the end of this year. They're talking about doing a premiere in july or something like that so that's super exciting for me to be do a feature film which i sort of got on the back of things like crazy cat laddie Aww. like doing a stupid fringe show and then they've got all these great actors from like game of thrones and vikings and all these like oh, wow, amazing. <laughs> the one guy was slightly hung over on set one day because he'd won a bafta the night before um <laughs> for his heart in chernobyl and i was there just oh, going oh no, I, no. I, I did a gig to about 50 100 people whatever um <laughs> 50 to 100 people is still very good that's true actually that's the reality of the comedy circuit isn't it it's still, it's still good we've definitely done smaller gigs haven't we <laughs> um but yeah so that's the next big thing for me and oh, like no. i say with so is it the end of this year it might come out yeah so there's there's talk of launching it at, um a festival in america or canada um this uh summer at the end of the summer and then hopefully there's talk of a worldwide release and stuff i don't know how much i can say maybe i should be saying this but it'll end up it'll end up on a streaming service at some point i imagine um so everyone can watch it it's called knuckle dust and i play a i play a kind of it hacker nerd uh, (laughs) uh which is a comic role that has a slight edge so yeah robin williams would have loved it a chance to be funny but also be serious Wow, <laughs> very exciting! Yeah. I hope yeah. is it an American film? Uh, no, it's a British film. Oh. They had a few American actors in it as well, um, but uh, yeah, it's a Brit- British film. It's kind of feels some, somewhere between kind of, kind of like Fight Club, Snatch, um, that kind of usual suspects kind of vibe. There's a lot mm. of killer lines and big fight scenes and stuff like that. Um, I, I really can't wait to watch it. It was so much fun filming it. It was really cool. Not so, a Brit yeah. flick. Yeah, Brit flick. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll see. See how it turns out. Who knows? Fantastic. Wow. Mm. Uh, carrying on from Crazy Cat Laddie, uh, you somewhat delved into modern lad culture. As a lad yourself, what are your thoughts on women in comedy? Well, obviously. You can say what you want, no, no judgment. <laughs> um well as you know with lead pencil that's uh two ladies and and me so i've always really really enjoyed working with women i don't know why feel like i can work with anyone and everyone but i just really i still enjoy working with maddie and louise especially i like the way we work together um i first met maddie i was doing a shakespeare play i've done it all babes i've done it all shakespeare the lot (laughs) Uh, I was playing Bottom in the Midsummer Night's Dream. She was Titani. I just thought she was amazing. And she said, oh, I've got this little sort of comedy group. Maybe you could come and join. So, yeah. So I just keep being inspired by those two, really, and the stuff that they're doing. Of course, I used to do stand-up years ago, and and I stopped doing it and did more acting and presenting stuff. And back in those days, I always felt, I say those days, this is maybe 2010, 2011. Hmm. 
10 years ago, it, I felt it was so much harder for women. It felt like when they walked up to the microphone, there's blokes, well, women, bloke, whatever, just with that, I don't know, I don't know that I find women that funny. Hmm. Um, and it was so much harder. You can see now it's a lot easier for women um, and it's easier for women to get into more TV roles and things like that. And it's a lot easier to get coverage because people are excited about female voices. Um, so we've made progress. But occasionally I still, on the circuit, when you go to sort of some smaller little towns <laughs> that have a comedy night and not much else, you still feel like, I still feel sometimes it's harder for women. Um, uh, and I still feel it's slightly harder for people of colour. Um even though that we've we've made long, I think that what we need to do is basically we need we need more women uh, writers, we need more women directors on TV, we need pr- more program controllers, more female camera women, everything, so we can really get that sense of it. At the moment, we're making strides in terms of trying to give women more opportunities in TV. But I don't feel like that's happening behind the scenes enough. Mm. So, w- what you want is a whole you want you want a whole team of equality, don't you? What you don't want is them putting women up front and then saying, look what we're doing. And then like, but around the back, it's still the same middle-aged blokes who went to Oxford and Cambridge making all the decisions. Mm. So I think it's an exciting time for women in comedy because people are looking for, for stars. And even though occasionally there's the odd gig that's tricky, that you just I guess women would have to look at it and say right here's a challenge for tonight I shouldn't have to deal with this shit but I'm, I'm going to be funnier than anyone else on the bill and then you go from there thank you for your very heartfelt answer I appreciate <laughs> it thank you now uh, do you have any tips for future comedians listening um so because I did um comedy years ago and then did other stuff and then came back there were some people who used to be really crap at comedy who i've now i've come back and they're like tv stars they're like they're huge it's not crap but maybe not as naturally funny as some other people and some some people gave up and those ones that had the work ethic which not necessarily me um i'm working on that uh are the ones that really kicked on to that there is always that other level in comedy And those are the ones. So if you can just look at it, keep it fun and everything else, but look at it as a job, look at it as a career, go from step to step and just work your ass off. You're going to be fine. That's the key. Uh, If if you're willing to put the work in, you'll get there. And for some people that you get there quite quickly and others, Mm. it's going to take years and years. But if you're willing to put the work in that and just be yourself, it takes so long to figure out what's individually funny about you. Sometimes an audience can see it, but we ourselves can't see it. So you just got to keep gigging, keep doing online stuff, listen to the comments, listen to the reviews a little bit, um, but be safe in your own knowledge that you're funny for a reason. Just find that. Don't try and be anyone else. It's definitely tricky. I find where you see people, as you mentioned, who, who everyone's like trying to like perform and, and work hard and some people seem to get there a lot quicker than other yeah. acts and it's sometimes it can be a little bit disparaging but I guess we just have to be positive I think yeah yeah well that's the other thing is like f- just focus on yourself because like I remember when I was at university mm-hmm. I, there's there's a David Owen Bell who's like you know classic thespian oh, you know okay. vo- voice teacher and he oh, wow. he, 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 had, he was like cla- the old school acting teacher kind of bloke okay and um he was wonderful and he was uh, but the best advice he gave us just before we graduated was 
um, the, the people that will survive in this industry are the ones that accept it is unfair. As soon okay. as you worry, say, well, that's unfair because he got that part because his mum wrote the screenplay or um, she's only there because she's going out with the director. Um, this guy got this because he's got the money to do it. That Those things might be true, but you just got to focus on yourself. So the more you go, if, if, you, if you just accept it's unfair. It mm. might take one person longer. It might it, you might not get half the opportunities. Mm. But if you try and blame the world rather than just saying, "Ah, oh, well, that's out of my control. Here are the things that I can control," then you'll be fine. That's good. Thank you for that advice. It's, that's very very positive. We should all take that on board. I feel. Yeah, I have to remind myself of it. Who who hasn't sort of seen things and gone, "What? Why has he got that? I didn't get that audition. I didn't get that gig." And think, "Ah, oh, there's nothing I could do." Unflat. If there is. Yeah, exactly. Coming back, right, what is that I can do about, um, you know, so that is unfair, but that's how life is, you know. Do you, uh, finally, uh, thank you, do you have anything to pimp, such as social media handles? Um, yeah, absolutely. Check check me out uh, on Twitter. I'm at Dave Bibby, uh, Facebook, Dave Bibby Comedian. Um, I'm on Instagram, Dave.Bibby. And uh, I'd love it if, if anyone's in lockdown and they're looking for entertainment, my website, which is just davebibby.com, um, which also has my handles on there, has a video page, which is just loads of old sketches and clips. And um, if anyone's football fans, there's quite a lot of football content on there because I did a show where I had to group <laughs> like a VT, film something every week for a whole football season. Um, oh, wow. but little, yeah, that was a great foot, foot, uh, football writing challenge for me. Um, but yeah, so go to davebibby.com. There's all sorts of silly sketches and characters and stuff. <laughs> and it's all absolutely free. It's like Netflix, but uh, way, way lower budget. <laughs> oh, dear. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comedy knowledge with us. It's Pleasure. Most Thanks appreciated. for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. I think, we're, I think we're just about done. Anything final to add for our audience? No, stay positive, <laughs> enjoy your life, and hopefully I'll see you all from a safe distance sometime soon. <laughs>